0: It's Barely in Topic. A podcast for Boston Bruins fans, five Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. A hey. Podcast for Bruins fans by Bruins fans. Oh my god, I have not said that since so long. And this is episode 431. Oh my god, I can't believe we're recording this late into the season. We are recording in June and it doesn't and
1: isn't about the draft.
0: <laughs> and we're not sad, although we are all sleep deprived for sure. I'm here with Jeff. Yo. And Tim, of course, I'm VA. Okay, let's talk about that. C- can anybody sleep?
2: <laughs> no, I didn't fall asleep last night until like four thirty in the morning because I was so jacked up.
1: Yeah, I had to juggle the balance of um, I didn't want to um, uh, go to bed and accidentally wake up Julie, who's a light sleeper, too late. But at the same time, couldn't go directly to bed at the end of the game, so it was a bit of a conundrum. So, like one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh.
1: These at nine Atlantic starts aren't great for me because that means every game ends at midnight if it doesn't go to overtime. I was rather upset when the game two was about to go to overtime. I was more upset that it ended quickly, but for different reasons.
0: <sighs> I have not been able to get to bed until 1 or 2 a.m., which is not ideal. I, I kind of want to be awake earlier in the day. I have reasons for that. Yeah, it's been really tough to go to sleep. And when I go to sleep, I'm freaking roasting like it's like my body is like burning off all of this energy somehow i feel like i'm radioactive or something oh
1: shit you must have gotten home at like one thirty or 2 after game one huh
0: actually we got home probably like 12 30 ish or so oh, oh shit really?
1: <laughs> oh right game okay. game ended 11 there nah i forgot time zones
0: but the thing is, is that they did a really good job of clearing out that garage. They had police directing traffic, so we got out. We didn't sit in the garage for very long at all. Like, we really got out, which is good, because we got there early. We got there around 4. There was, like, no traffic in. Uh, it was a great day to go to a hockey game, because no traffic, no issues. We could just enjoy ourselves and, and whatnot. But um, and we got home, like, I think it was, like, 1230 And I still had a hard time going to sleep because it's like then I had to write something up and so on and so forth. And it's 2 a.m. I think actually I think I went to bed at three that that night. I was dead the next day. Oh, my goodness. But now everybody understands why I tried to get that podcast out as soon as I could, because I did not want to deal with that on Tuesday. I felt like for the rest of the week I was hungover. I had to deal with vertigo some other issues and I felt just generally exhausted all week. And I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, it's, it's great. It's worth it, but it's like, oh. <laughs> so I was glad to have a couple of days off. I really was. I know that, that Tim was like, Oh, you get to have those in between days off when they go do the travel, but we need it as fans because we are just like amped
1: up the first three rounds were exhausting.
2: They were.
0: It, I need this because I'm old and I need time like to the, recover.
1: <laughs> well, that's just it. That 10 days off between the third and uh, between the third round of the final. I'm like, okay, this sucks because like anticipation, but like, thank God.
0: <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, I was really happy when game one came around. I'm, I realized this. I'm very lucky to have gotten tickets for the first game. We paid through the nose, but I got to sit in uh, uh, row three of 306, which is the same section as Ben, and that was nice. I got to eat at Porter's like three times this past week. <laughs> That's the new go-to place, and uh, I, I hated that Jimmy Murphy tweeted that out last night on uh, on Twitter, obviously. No, don't tell everybody about Porter's!
1: To be fair, it's Jimmy Murphy, which means most people just assume the exact opposite is true.
0: Right. That's true. Unless you're Haggerty. Yeah.
1: Well that's because they're possi- one of them is possibly a literal sock puppet of the other. I've never you know. Jamie Murphy might just be a sock on Hags' left hand. That's
2: true.
0: Oh, he's Mr. Hat. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: what do you say about the Bruins, Mr. Hat? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and knowing that it's on Haggerty's hand, he couldn't even be bothered to like put googly eyes on this sock. It's literally just a sock off of his foot.
0: <laughs> and it smells so bad. <laughs> anyway, got to go do the game fan, you know, the pre-game fan fest thing. Which there weren't a whole lot of, a lot of things there, but the first game, I got free ice cream, and. Ooh. Then I got to see all of the, the sports things, you know, you got to see the NBC sports stage and Patrick Sharp is really pretty. And then the NHL networks stage. Well, they they had like Mike Rupp and Kevin Weeks and stuff. And Kevin Weeks' not a bad looking dude or anything, but you know, nobody yeah. Patrick Sharp. Come on, man. Patrick
1: Sharp's objectively unfair.
0: He is. He is. And then I got to see people line up to take a picture with Jack. I didn't do it myself. So I took a picture of people lining up with Jack. <laughs> <laughs> a picture
2: of people taking pictures with Jack. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Gosh. It's so meta. And I was on British streaming radio this week, which is crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking nuts.
0: <laughs> it was. I. I don't understand how it happened. I'm happy that it happened. I got to speak to Anthony Wooten about being a fan in Boston. And we talked about all sorts of fandom in Boston, really. So I got a couple of jabs at New York and uh, a jab maybe at St. Louis. I don't know. I might have been more than fair to them. But anyway, I don't know if I how I feel about my prediction of this going to seven games because uh, I don't think it's going to seven games anymore.
1: I'm... Kind of fuzzy about my call of six, to be honest.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm sticking with my call of six because I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. So, I'm sticking to six.
1: That said, it feels genuinely like they're doing this. Like this shit's happening.
0: Yeah, last night, it just was like, um... It was almost freaking scary how good the Bruins were. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, mm I just want to make that commentary. We can break it down a little bit more later, but man, when this team is on, just get the fuck out of their way, right?
2: And, and it's not just that they're on, they're efficient as all hell. like that's <laughs> that's like the biggest thing. I' like they're the most efficient
1: team getting goals. like well, yeah, crazy. when you're shooting 100 percent on the power play.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, like, I think with their seven goals that they scored, it was, like, seven goals on their last, like, 15 shots.
1: That's insane. Oh, yeah, the, like, like, from the midpoint in the, in the uh, first, they're just the complete and profound implosion of uh, of Bennington.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, Their I mean, respective save percentages were .75 for Allen and .737 for Bennington. <sighs>
0: <laughs> the Bruins scored seven goals on 24 shots
1: now, to give you some idea there was they only shot four times on Jake gallon in 24 minutes and 28 seconds and scored three goals <laughs>
0: <laughs> they were lightning up they were like dude we we don't want to make you look that bad <laughs> Or were they saying no we don't want you to look that good I don't know what they were doing
2: my, my favorite part About all of this is Is earlier in the year Bennington had that quote Where they asked him if he's nervous And he's like do I look nervous They were like no He's like well that's your answer then And he looked so bad yesterday When he was drinking water There's a gif going around And he was just like staring off And like I don't know what the fuck's going on and Hello, then, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> and then also, for someone who's quote-unquote very, very even-keeled, at one of the TV timeouts, apparently I missed this, it was like 4 nothing at the point, and he like slashed Tuka on the way to the bench.
1: Well, you're never going to see that because they've already gone to commercial usually by the time they're actually skating to the bench. And, so like, yeah. Of course, that doesn't make the broadcast, which is like, I feel like that's something important that the audience needs to know about. Exactly. He got asked about it. He's like, oh, I was in the heat of
2: the moment and it happened. I'm moving on. And so apparently he did this to Ben Bishop as well against the Stars. Also saw something from him last year against like the Texas stars when he was in the AHL, where the stars scored a goal to make it like six, two or seven, two. And he slashed a player out in front after the goal and got ejected from a game. So get under his skin. And he just completely falls apart.
0: So what you're saying is that Jordan Binnington is a dick. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know how like the Bruins are a bunch of not dickheads. Yes, I'm not sure you can say the same for the Blues. <laughs>
1: I know, you no, know. no, I'm I'm getting the distinct impression that they're just a big old bag of dicks, like not syphilitic ones, because that's reserved for you know, and could because all the syphilitic dicks are in one bag, and that bag is called Patrick Kane. <laughs> but <laughs> but they're still a bag of dicks; they're just a bag of non-syphilitic dicks.
2: They, they are they're they're awful, and you can clearly see when you're watching a game that the only way that they can beat the Bruins is if they goad the Bruins into playing their cheap, goon brand of hockey.
1: I'm noticing two different parallels here between 2011. For one, playing the Blues is kind of like the Bruins playing a hollow, empty, not very good echo of themselves from 2011, for one thing. And second of all... Blues are kind of blowing this in exactly the same way that Vancouver did. When things aren't going their way, today, they look like they have no idea what they're doing out there. In 2011, the games that went badly for Vancouver, they looked like they had no business being in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and, and, if, and if you look back on it, I mean, the last time the Bruins scored seven goals in a Game 3 in the Stanley Cup final.
0: <laughs> I love that we can say the last time they did that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the last time they did that was uh, twenty eleven. Uh, you know, I mean, like we got this other thing where they've uh, so they played three games. The Bruins, some, uh, uh, you know, uh, did, did did had nice commanding leads against uh, St. Louis. Both games they won, and then only one. And when they lost, it was only by one. Which, again, 2011 is exactly what happened. All three games that that, that Vancouver won, they were all, like, one-goal games. Wow. And every game the Bruins won, they just, like, chased the Canucks out of the building.
2: Yeah. For a team that's really uh, resilient, they seem not to know what to do once they're down.
1: Well, you know what's the problem with being a Cinderella story is that eventually shit starts turning back into pumpkins. And by the way, the Bruins are the force that turns shit back into pumpkins, it seems. Hello, Columbus.
2: Hello, Carolina. And exactly Hello,
1: right. Like we're just like <laughs> just, just 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 going around shattering dreams. All the good feel good stories. The Bruins are like, nah, fuck that.
0: Well, remember, remember the first feel good story was John Tavares going home to Toronto. Womp <laughs> womp. God, like remember when he played against the Islanders at Nassau Coliseum and they just basically. Booed the shit out of him,
1: and and the shitty thin skinnedness of Leafs fans caused them to have some sort of pep rally. Tavares festival, the next game, home game, like like come yeah. the fuck on.
2: Yeah, like they they announced the starting lineup differently, so they made him the last announced player, and everyone got to give him a standing ovation. Wonder if they're giving them a standing ovation on the fucking golf course.
1: Well, you know, here's the thing about I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like people will say it's like, oh, the Leafs being good is good for hockey. I'm like, um, except the available evidence suggests that um, the Leafs being good is bad for Leafs fans, and therefore bad for <laughs> hockey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they bless their minds. I love it.
2: I'm willing to give them the Raptors. That's it.
1: Oh, help themselves to shoot hoop. Who fuck cares? Not me. I know lots of people care, just not me. I, I get that. I this is an area where I choose not to have empathy, that's all.
0: <laughs> I just wish that the Celtics would have gotten it together this year. Whatever.
1: I mean the I mean, only because they if there'd been a an actual fighting chance of a of all four it would have been ridiculous.
0: It would have been ridiculous, but you know what? That that's fine. Well we're gonna work this out. It's been almost two months. It's almost it's been almost 2 months since you guys were eliminated. It's been a month and and almost a half. You guys got to let go of your hatred for the Bruins and go golfing, go enjoy your summer, go do something else. Just shut the it, fuck up.
1: You're sorry, whiny asses, up to Muskoka and you know, enjoy yourselves. Go fucking water skiing or some shit. Yeah.
2: Watch the <laughs> Raptors. Just watch the Raptors. You got like, you know, you're you're up one game to none on Golden State, who's like a dynasty at this point, you have Kawhi Leonard for at least the rest of this season. He may leave because Toronto sucks, but hey, you've got him now. Enjoy that run. Don't focus on the Bruins absolutely shellacking you.
1: Go do that. Yeah, it's like don't focus on your worst showing of the three game uh, of the three first round series against Boston in the last half decade. Which is funny because this was the best. This is the best Toronto team of the three, and that was their worst first round showing of the three comp up the three times too.
0: <laughs> Just go get a two four. Go get some weed. Go have some fun on the lake. You know, I want to bring it back to that standing ovation thing last night when they did the announcements of Game Three because they ma- they always make a big deal of it, right? marshy looked visibly agitated, like he's like, "Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go." Which is... You're right. They started at 8-fucking-20. What are we doing? Well, we, we kind of know that that's what's going to happen now, because...
1: Finals, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter what teams they are. It's, it's what it is. I expect that.
0: They told us to be in our seats for seven forty five for those blinky things. And those blinky things didn't go off until, well, we started doing the, the banner stuff. Uh, and by the way, oh my god, okay. Let's, let's go back to game one. The fucking... 2011 banner captains. I mean, the, the the banner captains were the 2011 Bruins players that they could get. Yeah, there
1: was a couple. It's like there was a couple tragedies not being there. I would have thought there should. I mean, okay, I'm not surprised that Horton wasn't there. I'm a little bummed that no Rex. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Horton Horton and Thomas, because both of their times with Boston didn't really end swell. Right. So fine. But like no recchi was kind of a bummer.
2: I kind of wish too that uh, Savard had been there as well.
0: Well, he was he was there for the the earlier thing.
2: He is, and he for the most part he's rooting for the Bruins. You see it on Twitter. I just man, I, I have such a soft spot for uh, for Savard.
1: Just uh, oh, I, I mean, like Chara. He chose to be a Bruin at a time when there was no redeeming reasons to be a Bruin.
2: Exactly,
1: and he's one of the
2: major reasons why they turned it around.
1: Well, that's just it, right? I mean, he was there to help condition Berkey and Krejci into the centers they are. I won't, I won't, I won't hear other arguments. I know he came in for the start of Bergeron's third season, but still,
2: yeah, he he, he did. In turn, Bergeron's going to do that to the younger guy. Like he's one of the big reasons why the franchise turned it around, and so. I will forever love Mark Savard. Forever.
0: Well, you did have uh, Rich Pepperly.
1: Oh, I love Yes,
0: that. Raptor I Jesus.
1: Do. So, so it's not team. working for other teams that kept you out. So what, what's your excuse, Recky? I,
0: I, I don't know. But you had Gregory Campbell. You had Sean Thornton. You had the whole Merlot line. That was fun. Besides, you uh, had Kevin. Oh, oh, my God. Seeing Zeidenberg there. Oh, yes, yes.
1: Michael Ryder was there, too. Oh,
0: my God. He looks like 50.
1: <laughs> I'd forgotten just how extremely Newfoundlander he looked, too. I am like, oh, right. He's a ginger, too. Of course he is. He's from Newfoundland. <laughs> oh, oh,
0: your other boy, VA. Oh, my God. Andrew Ferrance, of course. Yeah, and he works for the leagues. I thought that would preclude him, but it did not.
1: Honestly, yes, Horton is, is in the is in the employ of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but like that's going to stop him. He's retired.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like... So-
1: like the only ones that I can really justify are being a because Thomas is Thomas's whereabouts are unknown. Idaho, <laughs> Idaho, yeah. Oh, <laughs> now oh, he gave up. Colorado wasn't a uh, sovereign citizen friendly enough for him, huh?
0: No, it's Idaho, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, and I missed this, but I still have the podcast somewhere. I think maybe on my iPod. Andrew Ferens, they he was on Thirty One Thoughts, mm-hmm. and he was talking about Tim Thomas because uh, Friedman asked, and and he said he's in Idaho now. He couldn't take the altitude of of Colorado, and I I do know that Tim Thomas has struggled with post concussive headaches and and syndrome. So maybe the altitude was really bad for him. I know that he was doing some weird like gyroscope thing to kind of help him it, because he, oh that's right I remember I, I was uh, I did some research around the time that Charlie McAvoy was talking about his vertigo that he got mm-hmm. from the the concussion. Tim Thomas was was working with a uh, physical therapy. Uh, it might have been like you know junk science, but it was a gyroscope thing that kind of helped your equilibrium come back and and all that stuff, and kind of worked on the headaches a little bit too. I th- I think it was a little bit more of a placebo thing, but there is you know. When you do have vertigo, you do have to train yourself to kind of reset your ear. So he was doing that in Colorado. I don't know if he's doing that anymore because he's in Idaho.
2: Didn't they say he was like on a farm in Idaho? Maybe. I thought I read that he was on some type of ranch or some
1: type of farm in Idaho. I just, I mean, like, you know, and um, in the event he moved to like the Idaho Panhandle, that's like, like a sovereign citizen Bullshit. That kind of bullshit. Militiaist, like central, that and in, in, in eastern Washington. So I hope he's not up there, because like that would just be upsetting. Anyway, enough about Tim Thomas. Obviously, no surprise that Boychuk and segan weren't part of this because they both, you know, play and for True. different and for other teams. And they'd like and likewise, Adam McQuaid couldn't do it, right?
0: Right, right, right. No, th- hey, they're still active players, and they can't do it. That's I good. noticed
1: they didn't. Bo- I noticed they didn't put energy into trying to find Thomas Cabrel though. <laughs> I
2: mean, he, he's la- larping off somewhere
1: in the- <laughs> <laughs> with a bunch of guys.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah, the, the
1: hello the, with all the with the guys in those weird hello piggy like coveralls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: He's, he's out lar- larping in Europe somewhere, like in the Czech
0: Republic. Yeah. Maybe. Checker yeah. Power. I just... I remember... I think it was a gift that I saw that they were talking to Thomas Cabernet, uh He had his... He had the Stanley Cup. It was his Stanley Cup party. And then David Creechie snuck in behind and took the cup. Because they're from, like, the same area.
2: <laughs> That's kind of hilarious.
1: <laughs> I, always, I always find it really cool about the um, uh, Stanley Cup Preds and stuff. Like, even um, in 2013... Chara went to Hosa's uh scan the cup day because they're like best friends and they're both from the and they're both from Trenton. They live across <laughs>
0: the street from each other. If you can imagine that. that one mansion is right across from the other mansion. No. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but uh yeah, they they live across the street from each other and he went to the, the party but he did not touch the cup even though he had won it before.
2: I mean, that's good for him cuz hopefully he can touch it this
1: year. Okay, like I'm, I'm amazed that he um was willing to do that because like a lot of players probably would be like, I just can't do it. It's a little too sore.
0: Uh, yeah, especially since they played against each other.
1: That's my point, right? Because he was the losing, he was on the losing team in that in that cup. But
0: uh. O'Chara is a breed apart. He's a different kind of guy. He is what you and I and everyone should aspire to be. I agree. Because I watched Dana O'Chara's Instagram stories and all this stuff, and I, I realized my failings as a person and how I can be better, this is a good thing, because this gives me opportunity in the future to be a better person, because I know what it's like to see that someone else is better. And I will freely admit, I am a bad person sometimes, and I and there are moments where I fail to be the best that I can be. And there's opportunity to change that. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. This got really serious. But but I agree. Charles. Live Charles every day
1: Chari. like you're Zedano Chara. There we go. Yeah. I think you should. I think I want that on a bumper sticker.
2: WWZD, what would Zedano do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I really want Emily Benjamin to name her child Zedano. I think it I think it fits.
1: <laughs> I do too. That would be fantastic. Zidano Benjamin or whatever her husband's last name is, I suppose.
0: Barbarici?
1: Zedano Barbarisi.
0: That sounds perfect. Mm. Actually, that kind of works. (laughs) It it does. (laughs) But apparently she's going to name uh, her child after uh, Tori Krug's uh, (laughs) whatever hit on Rob Thomas. (laughs) Let's talk about game one. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, You know, being at game one, there was a real possibility that went through my head, especially in the second early in the second that we might not win this game because the Bruins allowed two goals between the first and the beginning of the second, the one minute mark of the second. That's crazy. It was like really one minute mark.
1: Literally. Yeah. On the no- on the nose.
0: So <laughs> Brayden Shen in the first and Vladimir Tarasenko uh, in the second. So,
2: and the Tarasenko one was absolutely ugly as
1: hell. The Shen one was fluky as shit too. Like, basically, they failed to clear the zone, and then there was just a mess. I wasn't super worried because of those goals, because, again, it was easy to pinpoint why they happened, and it had n- and neither had anything to do with the Blues being better.
0: No, but we have seen slow starts by the Bruins in series. We saw a slow start in the Toronto series. Not so much in the Columbus ser- series, but they did fall back a little bit, which is why getting that string of wins that that went through until game one of the series where it was like eight straight wins or something in in the playoffs was really important because they needed to battle back yeah the atypical series was the one against the the hurricanes three games for the first line the top line to get it together in the fourth game they finally got it going so then they had 11 days off and then you get scored on twice and that may not have shown that they were better, but it it, it was worrisome.
2: It was frustrating for sure, and especially well, I think the goal that frustrated me the most was the um, second one because that was just complete brain fart by Pasta.
1: It was just. Oh, awful. Did did you see see Lambert like uh, read Lambert's article? He was blaming that whole thing on Chara. I'm like, what? What fucking game were you watching? Like, yeah, Chara like wasn't there to receive the pass that had no business being where it was. That's not Chara's fault.
2: Yeah, no, that wasn't that was that was complete brain fart by Pasta, and
1: uh, it was it was ugly.
0: Oh, yeah, in the first two games, you had Pasta and Marshy playing not as well as they could have been.
1: It's no. a very polite way of putting it.
0: Yes, yes, I mean th- there were a lot of turnovers and just frustrating moments between the two of them, and then all of NBC Media is coming out and saying, "Oh, there's something wrong with Bergie. It's like, ah. <laughs> Let's point our fingers at these other guys. This
1: is wings playing like dog shit, guys. Come on, like call it, call it, call it what it is.
0: <laughs> and the, the
2: thing is, you don't know, Bergy. I mean, he could be, but at the same time, come on. Let's not. He's got what seventeen points in twenty games. He's, I think he's, I think he's just fine. Uh, Bergy's sixteen. and Bergy's sixteen
1: or twenty. Seventeen's pasta.
2: Oh, okay. 16-20. Yeah. Still, he's just fine.
0: I, I don't want to entertain the idea that Bergy's hurt right now. I just don't. Uh, he might be, but I don't want to entertain yeah, I don't
1: it. want to think along those lines because um, I have like a certain amount of PTSD from a finals where Bergy was hurt. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, I just don't... You know what? I don't want to speculate wildly here. I, I'm happy to wait and find out later. I don't want to blame poor play on... An injury. I want to blame it on the wingers playing like shit. Yeah, that's that's fair.
2: That's fair. And those players, both Pasta and Brad, will be the first to tell you how much like shit they were playing, as well. So they're not they're not going to look for excuses as to why they're playing poorly. They're just going to say they're playing poorly.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you really need to have an excuse for it? You're playing poorly. You, You probably don't even know why you're playing poorly, but you need to figure it out quick. But I, I think I think a lot of I think
2: players do that a lot though they try to kind of finagle different excuses oh it was this oh this was bad this was bad it, they I think that's something with this Bruins team is they're accountable for their own play and I think it's a big reason why they're successful
1: and here's the thing is next man up Bruins then turned around and scored for it and ford unanswered goals that game. Two of them are ex- profound highlight real goals between the Clifton goal and the Corrali goal. Yes, like holy, f- holy fuck, both of them. I mean, like that that Clifton goal especially because every I mean even the secondary assist was highlight real play. Like Nordstrom to Corrali to Clifton, everything about that goal was just gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful.
0: How they how they could do all that stuff on the fly, all moving like, uh, like. Cliffy was moving toward the goal and beyond it, and he managed to get the stick in there, and boom, there's a goal.
1: Incidentally, Clifton just plays pure chaos. I don't know how one actually like managed to set a play with him, because I don't really know if you can predict where what he's going to do or where he's going to be. That's Cliffy Hockey, baby. Just chaos.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, and I mean, we started to see it. He's been getting a lot of whistles, but he's, getting, he's been taking a lot of penalties in games two and three, like, he's, in general.
0: Yeah, so he's got to reel it back a little bit on Cliffy Hockey.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's buying a little too much into the hype, and we, we know what happens to Bruins players that do that. They're named Mil- Milan Lucic. Um Ooh. <laughs> Uh, it's true, though. Yeah. It's so incredibly true.
0: don't you know who I am. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then we had uh, McAvoy's power play goal.
1: An unassisted power play goal. Yeah,
2: rest. that was all him. That was just... He, he brought it into the zone. He shot it. I think it did hit... Um,
0: Petrangelo's stick.
2: Yeah, the stick there. But at the same time, that was all him. And it was they needed that power play goal because at the time the power play was kind of faltering a little bit. They were one for five, I think in game one on the power play. So it was, it was faltering a little bit and it was a big goal to tie it up. And I mean, once they tied it up, I just felt like it was just a matter of time before they
1: went ahead. Well, yeah. And then, then they just dismembered the blues in the third.
0: Oh my God. Sean Crowley had a week, two game winners.
1: And that, that game winner and for game one, oh my God. Uh, like 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 it's just like watching corralius like holy shit like does he someone that big be that fast
0: yep that's he- a
1: rare thing like imagine if he had the hands of a high-end player this guy would this guy would be a star
0: i gotta tell you i know he's a fourth liner but he's got like alternate candidates. he's got
1: really he's got good hands for what he is but like if he had like really good hands like there's not a lot missing from there that could turn him into a top six star, to be honest.
0: Right. I'm looking at it from the leadership potential. That man is all guts. Like I'm just gonna jam it in. That's what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna keep jamming it in. Uh, we saw in his in you know his first playoff performances in in the Senators series from a couple of years back. It's like, nope, I'm going to keep getting this goal. You tell me that's a no goal. That's fine. I'm going to come back and I'm going to score a goal.
1: (laughs) I'm still going to get two of them though. Thanks for robbing me of hat trick in my first playoff game though, refs.
0: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Basically. So it's like, I, I love his drive. I think it's, it's fantastic. And you need that. You need that in your bottom six. I mean, not that you don't have it. I'm just saying that, that he doesn't let anything get him down. You know, there are some games where he doesn't perform like this. But man, to have two game winners in a week is fantastic.
1: Big, big goals only.
0: A <laughs> big goal Corrali.
1: But again, he said, he said nine points in 16 games these playoffs as a fourth line center. Like, holy fuck.
0: Yeah. Is he even actually playing center?
1: Yes, yeah, he has been.
0: Okay, because uh, I don't know. Sometimes they see Acharya if they're taking the faceoffs. I don't know. But anyway, okay, can I make this commentary about how bad the NBC crew is? Oh, fuck. Pierre, during this whole sequence, he's like recounting the whole thing. And then he says, and then he does a Lambo leap. And I'm like, Pierre, it's a Corral leap. We all know that. It's Corral leap. It's not a, P- a Lambo leap. It never was a Lambo leap because it's always been a Corral leap. Come on.
2: Also, first of all, we're not in Wisconsin. Second of all, this is hockey. Third of all, Corral isn't even from Wisconsin. Right! Come on!
0: Did he say I'm a Green Bay Packers fan? He probably did not say that. So shut up. Probably not. <laughs> 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 well, now we know what the word is. Um <laughs> I to say,
1: pretty sure he's either he either has the misfortune of being a Browns fan or a Bengals fan. <laughs>
0: yeah, they're both they're both unfortunate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> At least one he gets to do the icky shuffle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not old enough to know the icky shuffle.
2: Oh, that's even worse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, it just pissed me off. I was like, "No, it's not the uh, the Lambo leap. It does. This doesn't even make any sense. Shut up!" And that's just one of many instances that I had a problem. Uh, as we were talking before the show officially began, like all the stuff that I cut out that you guys don't get to hear, we were talking about this and. Doc Emmerich is nonsensical at times,
1: or, or he just loses the plot, like and like ends up and like gives up trying to do play by play for a while while he while he gets himself organized. Like for all the criticism justified and otherwise that Jack gets, Jack never loses his place in the game.
0: <laughs> no, I mean last night he said in the third period, "Well, St. Louis is one for one on the power play." And it's like that's not how this works. <laughs> Yeah,
2: maybe and, and, and this in the last 10 minutes, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and this freaking... This, the NBC has access to some really good fil- folks. You know, for play-by-play, it's like you got you got Dave Gocher, and if you don't want to do a guy that's, you know, historically worked for the Bruins, that's fine. Then go with John Forslund or something, right?
0: Or you could have Mike Tirico, the heir apparent to Al Michaels.
1: Or basically, literally, literally any of the play-by-play guys available to him who aren't Doc Emmerich.
0: Right, right. I-, I love Mike Tirico play-by-play, and he just started doing hockey this year, and I thought he was good. And he'll probably be better worth more. You know, I-, I loved him on ESPN, even though I hate Monday Night Football. And I've been waiting. I've been waiting so long for Al Michaels to retire. Not that there's anything wrong with him, but... I want the Mike Tirico era to begin. Come on.
2: I would take Al Michaels at this point.
0: Al Michaels would be a better hockey guy. He did the Olympic call for the 1980 Olympics. Come on.
1: I mean, like, and, and you, like the first three rounds, they were nice. They gave us Brian Boucher between the benches.
0: I appreciate that. Me too. And then
1: you, they put us back with the sentient penis known, known as Pierre Maguire instead for the for the, for the finals.
0: Wow, so many dick references today.
1: I mean, like he literally looks like a dick, though.
0: He does. <laughs> put a pair of glasses on a
1: dick, you could easily confuse it as as Pierre's twin brother. I mean,
2: it's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: let's just wrap up the goals on this one. Marci had the empty netter. Just just a capper on the game. I mean, I think I forgot who sent it in wide, but Marci eventually got it back at the blue line. Just took a shot. And there it was. Because if you want somebody to have your your empty netter, your shorthanded goal, because technically uh, they have six skaters and you have five. Um, that's uh, that's, But
1: it doesn't go into the books as an empty, as a shorthanded, it goes in as an empty.
0: My own shorthand, I call it a a shorthanded goal. Let's talk about the big event from the first game.
1: So, yes. So, Tori Krug gets some, wrestled to the ground by who else but David Perron. We'll get back to this fuckhead later. Oh, um, my God. In the process, losing his helmet. So he springs up and, you know, gets himself back in the play, which is the thing a player should do is he races down the ice to get back in the play, helmetless, with his sweaty, greasy, gorgeous flow flapping in the breeze behind him.
0: He had just gotten a haircut days before, according to David Pasternak.
1: Yes. You know, uh, races down the ice. David Perron leaves the ice, possibly realizing that his love Imminent danger, because he's a weasel.
0: He is a shit weasel, yes.
1: At which point, a helmetless Tory Krug absolutely destroys Robert Thomas.
2: Like, really, really destroys Robert Thomas. Like, oh, and it was beautiful. And no, it wasn't a fucking charge so fuck all of you that said it was a charge it wasn't a charge
1: as a side note um of course after this incident there was a whole flurry of rob thomas that is to say the lead singer from matchbox 20 jokes you could tell the age of the people making the jokes by if they were a child it referenced anything that was not from yourself or someone the
2: the the, the point remains though jeff's right you could definitely directly see the age of people when it came to the Rob Thomas jokes. The best one I l- saw was that Tory Krug hit Robert Thomas so hard that he thought it was 3 a.m.
1: <laughs> See, See, that's good. That, that's proper, you know, yourself or someone like you references. But the people that say that he's not crazy, just a little unwell, no, we don't talk about that era of Matchbox 20.
0: <laughs> I don't talk about any era of Matchbox 20. But, no, without-
1: and, 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 yeah. but anyway,
0: <laughs> I am I love Matchbox Twenty, and I'm not
1: afraid to say
0: it. Fuck it.
1: I mean, obviously, I do too. Otherwise, I'm get. Otherwise, I wouldn't be getting this fired up.
0: (laughs) I just wanted to remind you that Bella Lugosi's still dead, and uh, that's where I am.
1: Indeed. I I also love
2: the Goo Goo Dolls, so there is that. But you know what? (laughs)
1: Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Which, did you see that, that that picture of a of a prospect going around yesterday during the draft combine? Albin Grew, who's clearly the son of David Krejci and Johnny Resnick from Oh yes <laughs> he is. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> this has been your late 90s mediocre segment. <laughs> yes, here's um I love that music and I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs>
0: I'm glad to find this out about Tim because I just thought that Tim didn't like music, so.
2: Nah, I just like random bands from the 90s. I The 90s, I love 90s music, man. I just can't help it.
0: Puddle of Mud?
1: Yup, give it to Puddle me. Puddle not 90s. That's, that, that was like my last year of high school.
0: Okay, <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't listen to any of this stuff. If you want to know what my version of the 90s was, I was listening to a lot of Super Chunk and indie rock, and uh, eventually got into industrial stuff. I had always listened to, but maybe not as heavily as I did by the late 90s. So there you go.
2: Give me some give me some Matchbox 20. Give me some Google Dolls. Give me some Semisonic. I'm good. Oh, my God. First
1: album, Third Eye Blind. Also done. <laughs> only the first one. Later ones were weird. But, I, yeah.
2: I, coincidentally though, I, I, I've seen third eye blind in concert because when I was in college, mind you, I wasn't in college in the early nineties. I was in undergrad from 2006 to 2010 third eye blind did a concert on campus.
1: (laughs) There you have it folks. Third eye blind still existed in the late aughts. They did. The more, you know,
0: I went to a lot of Jane's Addiction shows in the beginning of the '90s, and in the end of the '90s, I don't remember. I don't remember very much about the end of the '90s, to be honest.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, like you're a Gen Xer and we're millennials, so like it's of different importance to us. Yeah, the end of the '90s were a little late. It was a little late. Was it was a little late on your end? But like you know. I mean, I was, I turned 16 in 2000, so, like, late 90s were kind of important to me. <laughs> it's, I it's, mean, it's just...
2: <laughs> I, I turned 12 in 2000, but still.
0: Oh, my God. That
2: was, that was, like, my middle school music, man.
0: I turned 27 in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um, My favorite thing about the Tory Krug hit on Rob Thomas. Well, two of my favorite things. One, he did one of my favorite things, which is separating the guy from the puck. If you're going to hit somebody, really separate them from the puck. Okay? Don't do this like, oh, I'm going to hit them like a, a split second after they got rid of the puck. Hit them as they have the puck in their possession and make sure they don't do anything with it. So that was my first favorite thing. And my second favorite thing was that Tory Crew killed him, and it's true, it was on Wikipedia.
2: Yeah, it was. I was going to bring that up too. That was one of my favorite things, was it being on Wikipedia saying that he killed Robert Thomas. The other thing I want to bring up about that hit, that people, whoever whoever brings up this argument, can go, you know, eat a bag of dicks is that Robert Thomas is a young teenager. What does he do? Tori Krug is such a piece of shit for hitting a teenager like that. <laughs> Fuck off. He's in the <laughs> NHL. Go to hell.
1: Is that, is that an argument
2: that someone actually made? Yes. That's arguments that people made. Just like they did it with Ovian Svechnikov, with Carolina. It's, oh, he's a teenager. He's in the Stanley Cup final.
1: Go to hell.
0: First of all, I didn't see his training wheels on him. Nor his little beanie with the little There propeller. was no little
1: stop sign on the back of his jersey like he's a Timbit or anything like that. Which they have for, for little kid hockey. They have stop signs on their on their sweaters.
0: Oh my god, that's adorable. That That is really <laughs> adorable. But no, I didn't see any of that because guess what? At 19 fucking years old, if you make it to the big stage of the NHL, guess what? You can get hit!
1: You can take a fucking hit. That's the thing, right?
0: You can get hit. You can get in a fight. You can have all sorts of things. Happen or do all sorts of things. So shut up.
1: Yes, yes. Well, he was playing non-contact midget six weeks ago or some shit like that. No. Also, Krug. He had size on Krug. Krug
2: was just a heat-seeking missile that absolutely blasted him into the next millennia. Like, it was beautiful, it was awesome, and I love the flying picture that's going around of Krug as it relates to another flying picture against the St. Louis Blues in the fucking final.
0: (laughs) I just love that he made that hit, and he wasn't apologetic about it because he didn't need to be, and it was just like, it was a great hit. It was great. It was legal, and you know, shut up. And he was fired up because you know what? You guys were dicks. You're dicks to him because you're picking on the smaller players, and then you're you're picking on a guy because also I think in game one wasn't there an elbow shot at uh, at at David Backus?
2: There was a lot of elbow shots at right. David Backus. Yes, game one was one of them.
0: So you're going to you. So you guys have decided you're going after the weaknesses of certain players. Okay, they're not necessarily your star players, although I would argue that that crew could be put in there. But, you know, you're saying this guy is too small to play hockey. Well, fuck you. He just lit you up. And then you have uh, David Backus with a concussion history and you decide to go in on his head. Fuck you. You guys will take it. And if it's your little tiny 19 year old fucking asshole on the ice who gets lit, then that's what happens. Oh, my God. And take Sammy Blaze or Blay or whatever the fuck his name is, fire him into the sun with David Perron. I'm sick of that shit, too. I really, you know, it's like, when I'm sitting there watching a game, and I'm not going to apologize for this, I'm just going to coach it, or couch it a little bit in the whole. I'm really pissed off, that when I'm sitting there thinking, you know what, you've got a couple players on your side that we could totally target. Yes, Alex Steen, has a concussion history. All you need to do is give him one good hit. Same thing with Perron. They both have extensive, extensive, terrible concussion histories. We could take them all out too. So you want to play with like the little uh, guys? You want to like pretend that you're gonna take them on? You big bad man, David Perron. Fuck you. We'll just go after you. We don't even have to take a headshot at you. We don't. All we have to do is jar you up real good because of your concussion history. So fuck. You guys. Also, noted shitball Jordan Binnington, because
2: Jordan Binnington is now a noted shitball. After the game, talks about Tori Krug. I looked at him, man, and his eyes were crazy. I don't want to speculate if he was on something or anything, but man. What? It's called being passionate.
0: Learn how to do it. Fuck off. I just discovered today that Jordan Binnington is a piece of shit who, as... Uh, recently as being 19 years old, um, tweeted some shit about people with burkas. Oh my
2: God, those were bad. Those were really bad.
1: Oh, and like, like when this has been pointed out, he's uh, made no effort whatsoever to apologize for this stuff or even delete them. No, that fucker like owns this shit. <laughs> quote unquote, boys will be boys.
2: Oh my God, I can't stand that.
0: But yeah, so he says that kind of shit. All he is is a guy who likes to provoke and he doesn't like to actually fight uh, you know he likes to say shit but he doesn't like to back it up so fuck Bennington I don't give a shit what he says about C- Tory Krug and Tory Krug laughed it off like <laughs> no I'm <laughs> not on anything you know I loved how after that hit Tory Krug skated right by Bennington as if to say I'm not taking your shit and it wasn't and I love it I know I haven't been the biggest Krug uh, backer but man, he's just, he's impressed me in this playoffs and he doesn't take shit and i love that. So, oh God, I just, it makes me so angry. It makes me angry that I want you guys to be hurt. That is terrible.
2: Also, fun fact about Tory Krug, 58 games he's played in the playoffs of the Bruins, 44 points.
1: Hot fucking damn, man.
2: He turns it on when, and of course we saw it when he first signed. Uh, it started out strong against uh, the Rangers that series he had. It was
1: great. Well, well, he 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 bumped Dougie out of the playoff lineup for the entire rest of the playoffs once the defense got healthy, right?
0: Nope. Wow, Tory Krug, good for Krugie him, fantastic. Okay, we got to talk about Game Two, which none of us want to talk about, but we have to.
1: Yeah, the Bruins got badly outshot. It just didn't place well. I mean, that said, they did, you know, have a lead twice and kept that and held that tie down for two whole periods before going to OT. But, um,
2: and but yeah, OT happened and they got steamrolled in OT. I think I saw that, uh, they were outshot like four nothing. I think St. Louis had three scoring chances in that small bit of overtime, and to the Bruins, obviously none, not getting a shot off.
1: I'm going to take some responsibility for this one. When it went to overtime, I groaned and said, please, no, please make this over quickly. I was not more specific. I fucked up.
0: (laughs) You can't mess with the hockey gods, man. You can't mess with them. I know.
1: You got to be very specific because they will take the least good for you uh, approach to literally any request. Praying to the hockey gods is like having that monkey's paw. Sure, you'll get what you wished for, but, um.
0: Maybe not the way that you want it.
2: (laughs) And with that overtime too, I think right before, so it was on a delayed penalty, right? So it was right before. Uh, Carlo was, I think it was Carlo was going to get called for something tripping. I think it was,
0: yeah.
2: And I think Bennington was off the ice, and they had put the sixth skater on as well. Yeah, they
1: they they pulled Bennington for for the um, uh, delayed penalty.
2: Yeah. So it was it was tough and. uh They just got outplayed, especially, I think, in the third period and in overtime. They got outplayed. It was one of those things where, like, you could sense that they were just playing with fire. And it seemed like at any moment, like, the dam could break. And Tuca did the best he could. I think he stopped 34 of 37 shots, maybe. Something crazy. That checks
1: checks out. Blues had a total of 37 shots. Yeah. yeah. So, your math's great.
2: So I mean, he played. Tuca did all he could. If it wasn't for Tuca, they wouldn't have been in overtime. And I've seen, I've seen some Tuca flack, especially and even last night because he's little let through some goals. And I'm just like, come on, like, like this, this is stupid. They're they're up two one. He's given up two, three, and two but he's playing well. You're not
0: in game two at all without Tugarask. Well, no. Uh, game two, the reason why that goal happened was Carlo did something dumb. And he was forced into doing something done because of a scoring opportunity. And keep in mind, at this point, the
1: Bruins have been playing short of defensemen since where were we, like ha- barely into the first? Yeah, it was early. I think it was like eight minutes into
2: the first, maybe. That Grizz was knocked out.
1: Incidentally, I mean, like, okay, I know Sundqvist did get a one-game suspension for that, but how the fuck was that only two minutes on the ice?
0: Is there a major for boarding?
1: He elbowed him in the head, too, so they could have given him a major for elbowing.
0: Well, they they, they just called him for the boarding. That's why it's not a major. So uh, and, and he left? I honestly think that boarding should be a major because more often than not you board someone and they're hurt.
1: Well, you see, there's the thing. That's also why, for example, I'm of the view that, um, regardless of the circumstances, any and all head contact should be at minimum of a ge- of one game. But anyway,
0: we should be happy that Dopp stepped in, reviewed it, even on a travel day, even on a conference call on a travel day, they they reviewed it, and by the end of that next day, they had determined that he was going to sit out game three, which he should have. Because he, as, as the video points out, he had a choice because he was at the, uh, the bottom of the dots when Grizzly started to lose his position there. Like he, he skated into the boards to try to handle the puck. And he had a decision and he chose to go boredom, uh, And it, it was not on Grizzly to have his head in any specific place. It was on Sunquist to not do that. Right? So there you go. So he sat that out. He sat out. Unfortunately, Grislik is now in protocol for concussions, so he didn't travel with the team. And I'll be glad to have him back, but he needs to take his time to get back. I, I've seen
1: him referred to both day, both day to day and out indefinitely. But let's 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 be real; we're not seeing him again this series. No. Um,
2: and John Moore played well yesterday, well enough. Where I think they'll be okay despite missing him. I feel like. John Moore is a good 7th D So if you have 6 guys and one of them goes out And John Moore is the guy coming in Think you'll be okay
1: Well there's the thing right He's he's, he's better as your 7th defenseman Than say oh last year when we went in with our 7th and 8th defenseman being Nick Holden And and Adam McQuaid Moore is significantly better than either of them It's just that he's got 4 more years On that silly contract
0: 2020 expansion draft baby (sighs)
2: <sighs> oh, that's true I didn't think of that
0: I don't know who I heard say it so I can't properly credit them but it's not coming from me somebody I heard someone say they got John Moore so they can give him up in the expansion draft and I'm like because they had remember they had a choice it's like well we got Adam McQuaid or we got like Colin Miller or whatever and it's or or Kevin Miller And it's like they, they got rid of Colin Miller and I don't feel bad about that choice at all
2: I don't either
1: Chiller, Chiller, was the scratch during that parts of that one round this uh, this year?
2: Yeah, he seemed to fall out of favor with Gallant this year,
1: which is interesting. because He had on paper a quite good season. I don't really understand what happened there, nor do I care.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'd have to look at it and think about it, but and I don't want to right now. So let's move on to game three. <laughs>
1: Oh, game three was just a delight. You know it'd be even more of a delight, though? If, like, David Perron somehow got himself, like, locked in a safe or something.
2: Yeah, it, he's bad. And the thing that's funny about the game last night is the Boston Bruins became the second team in the second Boston sports team in the last six or seven months to score a touchdown in Missouri. (laughs) 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 And it was just so fitting that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were there to witness it.
0: (laughs) You know what? Here's the thing. Okay, they showed that. uh, that, I kept seeing the gif of like Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, oh, I like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'm glad he won the MVP. His time will come. He will win a Super Bowl down the line. I hope he has a long career and and all that. But then you focus on Kelsey. I'm like, fuck that guy.
2: Yeah, yeah, Travis Kelsey's hateable.
0: I, I hate him. He's obnoxious. Like he's bought into his own hype in a bad way. And he doesn't even play his position fully. He's a tight end. He can't block for shit. Oh, don't no, no, ever comp- no. don't ever compare yourself to Gronk. Fuck you, dude.
2: Well, that's just it. He tries hard to be Gronk on and off the field.
1: Like really hard. There can only right. be one
0: Gronk. Only one yeah, I'm Gronk. I'm
1: pretty sure. I'm pretty sure society couldn't survive there being multiple Gronks.
0: Yeah, I mean, either that or you're so not wrong. Society might be way more fun, but he's he doesn't have the right personality for Gronk. Gronk is like ego free. He really is. That's what makes him fantastic. It's like Gronk is like I just do the best job that I can, you know. And Yo soy fiesta. That that is Gronk. Those are the two things. And, you know, I think privately, like, he's a smart dude. If he doesn't know uh, to put away all this his money like he did, he had somebody tell him that, and he listened, and that's smart. Okay? Yeah. Uh, so, Gronk is egoless, and that's what makes him fantastic. Kelsey knows what he is, and he buys into it, and he has an ego, and that's what makes him awful. Agreed. Like, okay, let's talk about Marshy. Marshy... Like, he has this, like, alter ego, this like persona on the ice where he makes it seem like, you know, remember when he used to talk about, like, oh, with this haircut, I'm a 10 and all this stuff, right? But, you know, deep down inside, he's like, no, no, Bergie is, like, the best. I love Bergie. I do my best so I can be like Bergie. You know, that's that's who Marchand is, right? So that's what's different mm-hmm. about him than, say, somebody like a Kelsey. <sighs> this is a lesson You can be proud of yourself and you can do a good job and everything, but just don't buy into it too much. And be like Gronk. There we go. Yeah, so, yep, a touchdown. A touchdown against a Missouri team is fantastic. I loved it. I never thought they were going to lose the lead yesterday, and they didn't.
1: Any chance of that, I think, was gone after the Corrali goal and the aftermath that ensued. Yes. For the three of you listening that somehow didn't see this game, Sean Correli scores a very, very nice five-hole shot against Bennington at a 1950 in the first from a, from a nice after a nice pass from uh, Nordstrom.
0: Game winner.
1: The game winner. Yes. And so uh, this gets challenged by but by uh, St. Louis. On account of uh, being uh, offsides, and as they're showing the replay clips and they're talking about it, it's like, okay, this is going to get waved off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, mind you, this is one of those cases of the NBC announcers being fucking incompetent because all of them were absolutely certain it was getting waved off. No one even commented on the fact that it was Joel Edmondson who carried it in. We'll come back to this. So the refs make their call, or make the announcer, I'm like, okay, call on the ice stands? What? And then they the announcer scrambled to come back and explain why, and issue no mea culpa for the fact that none of them acknowledged this. Yeah. Like, it was, like,
0: bad. Yeah. It was very, very bad. But you know what was really great? Um, they were wrong. St. Were- Louis was wrong. And they got assessed a bench penalty for that.
1: Which is... Which is hilarious because, like, that's the other thing is the freaking announcers were like praising St. Louis's video coach for catching this. I'm like, I bet that guy got torn a new asshole during the second during the first intermission. <laughs> oh
2: yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, 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 his like, hearts don't make sounds anymore after that. After his asshole got torn, there, like, this is that 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 man needs to sit on a hemorrhoid donut for like the next six weeks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, and then of course, yes, power play. For the delay of game. And uh, David Posternock scores a pretty nifty power play goal on a backhand. Which he had all the time in the world.
2: Like, he had all the time in the world.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: he was left so, alone.
1: Yeah, left alone. Cross ice. Like, it was just, just, just an epically bad penalty killing on the part of the Blues. Which is kind of the story of this game. We'll get back to that as well. And then, yep, this just flicks it up in, the, on this, in this gorgeous backhand. Fourth goal, at which point it was obvious there is no scenario that the Blues were coming back. That's a backbreaker because they basically gave up one goal and then got stupid and created the situation to give up the next.
0: I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Yes, yeah, so in this game we had four power play opportunities because there were lots of penalties and lots of matching penalties.
1: Yes, and a lot of them I couldn't really figure out why they were matching. Like there was one case, I can't remember which penalty it was. They gave They gave matching roughings, and it was such horseshit.
0: Chara, Chara got a matching, I think.
1: He got unsportsmanlike.
0: Yeah, he got an unsportsmanlike conduct, and the other guy got a roughing. So you know, I mean, the the really bad penalty I think that the Bruins took was uh, Cliffy deciding to cross check somebody in the face. He might have deserved it, but still, he can't do that.
1: And like, yeah, the, you know, here's the thing: is there was, you know, there was some bad moments in there. You know, uh, um, the uh, the Pareco goal was on a
0: oh, it was deflected off of Carlo's stick, wasn't it? Yep. I look, my boy, my boy is the boys. I am thrilled. I'm beyond the moon with him being in these playoffs, getting to the final. I think he's been a big part of this, even if people don't want to admit that. But he's gonna make mistakes every once in a while, and sometimes they cost. And you know what? He feels like shit about them. I don't need to keep. Oh, yeah. I don't need to keep saying it. And I think Chara
1: was in the box for that one, right? So, like, okay, our two top penalty killers were uh, both made mistakes that led to that goal. It happens. Oh no, we gave up a goal on a, in a game where they scored seven. I'm not concerned. Also, <laughs> also the second goal
2: deflected off both, not just one. But both of Charlie McAvoy skate somehow it was a weird, fluky thing, and that's the thing that's been the goals of this series. I think the Blues has scored like maybe three quarters of a goal that hasn't been deflected off of a Bruins player,
1: yeah, anyway, four goals on four power plays with four power play shots
0: fantastic, yes,
1: just like. Absolutely insane. <laughs> that,
0: that just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Except it did last night. Uh.
1: yep.
2: And Tory Krug became the first Bruins defenseman to score four points in a Stanley Cup playoff game, or Stanley Cup final game, I should say. Bobby Orr never did it, which is really neither did
1: Ray Bork. Yeah, no Ray Bork, no Brad Park, no uh, no Bobby Orr, all of whom had plenty of, of Stanley Cup finals games in which to do so. But Tory Krug.
2: Tori Krug, man.
0: Yeah. Uh it amazing. Just fantastic. I mean, it's almost like we don't have to give the specifics on this game because it's like almost everything was awesome.
2: Yeah. Third the third line produced, the top line guys produced.
0: The fourth line
2: produced twice. The uh the defense produced, well, Tory Krug produced like it was It was a fantastic game, and the thing that I liked the most too about at the end of the game is every single player that you asked about the game, because the media was pretty much calling it, saying how the Bruins played a perfect game. I mean, they won 7-2, and not one Bruins player was like, no, we still have stuff wasn't like no oh. we have stuff to work on. Every single Marshawn one like,
1: especially. Marshawn was really vocal about that. Yep. Um on the on the athletic, I can't remember if that was um uh, fl- no that was Fluto or uh, Joe McDonald's um, uh nope, sorry, neither it was Steve Buckley uh, his article. It emphasized Brad Marshawn apparently went off at great length about how this how he could have been better and how it needed to be better.
0: Buckley's with the athletic
1: now? Apparently.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. It's fairly recent. I'm wondering who the fuck this person is, but they're a decent writer. Kind of better than Joey Mack, actually. Joey Mack's got a lot of fluff in his writing. Mm-hmm. Buckley's
2: awesome. He's been around for a while. He's done a lot of Red Sox stuff, though.
0: Yeah, he, was, he used to be with the Herald. Uh, Buckley is, um, yeah, he, he's done, uh, historically he has been uh, baseball-oriented. I, I like a little bit of fluff, though. I'm, I'm okay with that. But
1: yeah, He's the described as the senior writer for Athletic Boston. On his nice. uh, bio page on The Athletic Who, Buckley? I mean, yeah
0: uh, Okay, so Buckley Here's the really neat thing about Steve Buckley He only recently came out a couple of years ago as gay. gay okay. mm-hmm. Oh, but I didn't and, know that Yeah, and you know what? Nobody cared You know why? Because he had always been out to everybody else in his life So just coming out to his readers And saying that he was gay Nobody cared because he does a good job You know what I mean? like he
2: does a fantastic job. I've always really liked Steve Buckley. He also used to be on on it was Comcast Sports at the time uh on the it was called like the baseball show. Uh-huh. It was with Lou Meloni him and someone else. Uh, but he he was always on that. Sean McAdam maybe. Yep. They were all really good. I've always really liked Buckley's writing. Yep. So, you
0: know, I that's, you know, it's a You know, it's not the most important thing about him, but I think it's an interesting thing about him because basically, uh, you know, he's an older guy and he just recently came out to to his to his, you know, to the people who read and nobody cared because uh, it really doesn't matter if you're completely uh, comfortable with yourself and you do a good job. I mean, uh, maybe some people didn't like it, but they're they're assholes. So who cares what they think?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Steve Buckley's been one of the more respected guys around the Red Sox for a long time. Yeah,
0: it doesn't change who he is. It doesn't change how anything goes. Mazel tov. Ah, so, you know, another remarkable thing about this game is that uh, you didn't have Patrice Bergeron on the ice for the final seven minutes and two seconds, nor did you have Marshy or Pasta on for the last three minutes and 43 seconds. You didn't need to play them. Well, I'm I'm glad.
1: and and Brad and Bergie had all were already their second and third highest skating for, um um uh, skating forwards for the game. So like yeah, you didn't need them out there. No. Um and clearly Noel Achari and Marcus Johansson had this.
2: <laughs> I also want to point out too. Bergie had the uh, first goal, and he was fired the fuck up. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's kind of rare that Ber- you see uh, Bergeron get fired the fuck up, but holy crap was he ever. And it was awesome.
0: Well, he's had a little bit of a scoring drought, right? He didn't have anything in the first game, and he didn't have anything in the second, right? Right, and he had a he had a goal. He had two assists. I think he had
1: a
2: pretty insane face-off
1: percentage as well. Um, give me a moment on that. He was a 58% face-off percentage. Okay. The only there were three Bruins that had better nope yeah, three Bruins that had better numbers. Brad, I don't it doesn't say here how many he took. Um, uh, Coil and Craigie.
2: Interesting. I imagine Brad didn't take very many face-offs. I'm gonna look that up. No,
1: he does. He never takes more than about three yeah. in a game.
2: Brad had one and he
1: won it. So yeah. <laughs> okay. very small sample okay. size. Coil and Krejci though are going to have significantly larger sample sizes. So that they're, they're 63 and 75% respectively is legitimately impressive.
2: Oh, interesting though. Krejci, Krejci only took eight face-offs. He won six, lost two. Coil also only had eight. Um, one five, lost three. Bergeron won 111, lost eight. Oh. <sighs> wow.
1: Um, Corelli did not have a good night at the dot though.
2: No, he was five for eight. Yeah. He was bad. Uh, five for 13 or yeah, five. You're right. Five, one, eight lost. Excuse me. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, Achari had a better one. Uh, he was two for four
2: on the, on the flip side. Funny. Cause a lot of people like to say Ryan O'Reilly is kind of a Bergeron light. He won eight lost 15 face-offs.
1: Ryan O'Reilly is the Family Dollar version of, of Brad Mar- uh, of, of Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, Family Dollar is the shitty dollar store, right?
2: I think so. I think we Dollar only have General a dollar
1: store in Canada. So I can't remember. I can't never remember which ones are the good and shitty. Which ones are the shitty and shittier ones? I should say.
2: I, I think I think Dollar General shitty and Family Dollar shittier. Okay.
0: okay. Okay, ready. So Patrice Bergeron against Ryan O'Reilly in the offensive zone. He was two for three. In the defensive zone, he was one for two, which is, you know, I mean, 50% for Bergie. It it always seems a little low in the defensive zone, but whatever. And the neutral zone, he was 100% against Ryan Riley. (laughs) 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 Uh, I love face-off comparisons. The face-off reports, they're so great. You know, uh, Sean Corrales, he had his best, uh, he was best against Tyler uh, Bozak in the neutral zone. Nolichari was perfect one for one against Barbashev in the neutral zone and perfect against Barbashev in the defensive zone as well. So, oh, God, I love these reports. I'm so nerdy. That's crazy, though. Bergeron took 19 face-offs
2: and a guy like Coyle and even Krejci only took eight. It shows how much Bergeron was on the ice before he sat the last... 702.
0: That's what you call your top line center. Yep. Remember yeah. remember, we used to go like 1A, 1B, you know, it's like for for, for some years it was like, who's the top line? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> this guy gets more time, but this guy takes more face-offs. I, I don't know. Uh, it's, you know, in the last few years it's definitely been the Martian, Bergeron, and now Pasternak top line. So there you go. Tuca! Oh, I love Tukarask. Rask. I, I really do. Uh, he's only allowed two goals per game. I pointed out on that radio show that it was on that he had a 1.91 goals against average. It was fantastic. At, before Game 3, obviously. So he's only allowed six goals in this series, which is great. People are like, he's not standing on his head. Well, last night, he pretty much stood on his head. So it, it was fine.
2: And Here's the thing. The guys in the booth... Are- in the studio pointed this out and this said something a lot of people don't understand about Rask, is positionally he's so good that the pucks are hitting him in the middle of they're hitting him in a spoke b all the time because he's there he's like he's to the spot where the actual blues are shooting before the blues are like he he just knows what's gonna happen. He's in, able to anticipate and be there. And people don't understand how how hard that is
0: to be so uh, sound with your technical skills. Well, Tuca says that if he can see the puck, he can stop the puck, right? Yeah, it sounds really basic, but it's the absolute truth. Well, last night Tuca got banged into quite a bit, uh, mostly by David Perron, who's as we have said, he's a dick. Yes. Uh, I've been calling him a dink, but he's a dick. Anyway, there was one moment where David Perron had some words for him, and uh, Tuca, after the game, said that Perron was telling Tuca that Tuca dives too much. I just found that ironic, because David Perron...
1: Can go have... Can go have sex with with an electric pencil sharpener.
0: There are lots of players on that team that are fucking diving. He's one of them. Uh and when he's not trying to like dink around with somebody else. I loved last night when Braden Shen was trying to launch himself at, at uh Pasternak who ducked and he went flying. And it's like I'm like, please don't call anybody for a penalty for this because it, there was no penalty. You no, know,
2: yeah, that was clearly he was launching himself at Pasta and Pasta was like, whoops. It was like
0: it was like play, it was like a matador with a bull. So whoops not a diver he's not Uh, but he's had a a few close calls this year and uh you know knocking him down to the ice where his head hits the ice is not a good thing okay so let's let's not do that you should probably not ever have contact with our goaltender and if you do you're gonna pay for it also uh david Perron getting in tucas face is a wild move just
2: because first of all Tuca Rask laughed when Tuka Rask is laughing at you being in his face, you know, you're like in trouble. Second of all, I'm pretty sure uh, Brad Marchand once said that even he wouldn't get in Tuka's face because like Tuka's a little bit off. Like he's just a little bit crazy. And I would not, I would not mess with Tuka. Like, like on a list of like Bruins players, I would try to like mess with, Tuka's probably like the last person on the ice that I would mess with.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't do it. Goalies are a different kind of player. Exactly. (laughs) They're all fluky and weird and you don't want to get in their shit. So yeah, I just thought it was great because Tuka wasn't going to back down, but I really wanted him to launch him into the sun. That's all. I guess maybe that's like the, the aspects of Tim Thomas that uh, I enjoyed. Not that I really watched him too much, but in, in highlights, I've watched highlights, and the aspects of, about him that I like are, are just the whole, like, you're not starting shit with me because I will come after you, motherfucker. That kind of stuff.
2: I, I definitely i am with you there, but at the same time, especially when Perum was in Tuca's face, he was trying to go Tuca into a penalty there, right. and Tuca wasn't having it. So I think, I, I think regular season Tuca does a lot more, but I think with... The stage, what was on the line, things like that. I think Tuka was just like, yep, you can try, but... He's
1: too locked in and busy to do bullshit right now.
0: Right, right. I, I, I like that Tuka is just so focused. Tuka wants this, you know why? Because I think... I'm not saying he listens to any of this shit. I'm sure that stuff gets back to him somehow, and he probably has to find a way to avoid it. But I, I think Tuka wants to win this cup to seal his legacy and to shut everybody up. And I want it to happen, too.
1: And and if they win, you you know he's winning the con Smythe.
2: Oh hell yes, and and that'll be as mu- much as people don't want to admit it. It'll be Tuca's second cup. Yes, he was Tim Thomas's backup, but it'll still be his second cup.
0: But this is this will be the one that he won.
2: Yes, and that it'll does be more.
0: It's a it's a little sweeter,
2: you know. People who get who get on to I mean. In the Eastern Conference Finals, he's eight and fucking zero with three shutouts. Like, come on, we need to stop like bashing Tuca.
0: But you see that people will say, "Oh no, that's the team around him," because you know how it is. It's like when when he wins, it's not his win, but when he loses, it's his loss. They, it can't work that way.
1: Well, but that's because the people saying that are either, you know, certain semi-literates or the people that actually listen to them. <laughs> so, like...
0: <laughs> so, last night, fantastic game. I wanted to see that team turn it out. They are fucking scary. Really scary when they're on like that. And I love being on the correct side of this to see them be scary and and we get to have a good time, even if I'm not sleeping at night, because these finals have got me all wound up.
2: And I think that's kind of the other thing, too, because, I mean, it's pretty obvious that uh, the Blues are trying to just bully their way into winning. It, it worked against San Jose, and they're trying to take people out and things like that. This Bruins team, they're not really flappable. And the second thing is the blues know that if they try to get into a skill game with boston they're not going to win like boston has so much more skill than st louis does and it's kind of i know jeff was talking about it that how the st louis team is like kind of a worse shell of the 2011 bruins team it shows how much the uh, this bruins team has kind of evolved and progressed especially having kind of the same core guys on it Yep. Yep.
1: Yep. So, um, I think that about covers the the games thus far, then.
0: Yeah, I I don't think there's much more that we can say about it, honestly. We do have four games, because it's at least going to five.
1: Yes, so at a bare minimum, there is game four. That is tomorrow, June 3rd, 2019, 8 p.m. Eastern Time in St. Louis for game four. Followed on Thursday, that would be the um, June 6th, for 8 p.m. Eastern Time, at the Garden
0: for Game 5. Wow. I am trying to win tickets for Game 5. <laughs> 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 on
1: account of you're out-of-expendable organs to sell after getting game tickets to Game 1.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to have to pay a lot of money for my mouth in the next, like, uh, few months, so I can't really justify... Go, going and spending that kind of money again. <laughs> yeah. No. If it makes you feel any better, I know Tim will get this. I have a crossbite overbite, just like Sue Heck. Aw. Yeah. So that's what's going to get fixed. Anyway, go ahead.
1: I guess I do, do the thing now.
0: Do the thing, Jeff.
1: Okay. Listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. You can find us on... SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've liked what you've heard, give us a follow, rate us some stars, tell all your friends, write a review, because we're worth it.
0: Hey, at least one person thought so, or two. I mean,
1: exactly right. You know. And uh, now, if you want to talk to us, of course, some uh, you can reach us on Twitter. That would be uh, at Barely On Topic, or on Facebook at Barely On a Topic Podcast. And, of course, there's always our individual Twitter accounts. I am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson.
0: And I am at, oh my god, my boy Corrali had two game-winning goals this week.
1: Also known as at VA from R.I. Tim. Tim. Word!